My pleasure to introduce to you tonight Brother David Baker from Savannah Church of Christ. Brother Baker is a uh, family and involvement minister currently for the Savannah congregation. Uh, he is a very experienced developer of youth programs and those that would lead youth programs effectively. Uh, he's affiliated with the Fried Hardeman University. Uh, he agreed to uh, come this afternoon and speak to the parents of our teens and uh, interested adults uh, concerning our youth program and gave us some uh, guidance as far as how we can become more effective in that regard. Brother Baker has agreed to uh, speak to the congregation this evening. Uh, hopefully he's a familiar face to some of you. I understand he has uh, roots from years past at Pennington Bend where I know we have connection with Pennington Bend congregation from the preacher's camp there. Uh, he's a familiar face I know to our youth here. Uh, he's, he's very visible to them and uh, many of the programs and the events that they attend, Brother Baker is uh, very visible in and an organizer of. Uh, so please join me in welcoming Brother David Baker. Thank you, Doug. Appreciate that introduction. It's an honor to be with you this evening. And we just had a great day working uh, on the youth program here and talking about getting as many people involved as possible. It's great to be in a church where young people are honored. And this is obviously a church that loves young people. You can tell that when you walk in the door. And I appreciate the good work that Phil and Doug and others are doing to see that the young people are blessed very richly for this day and for years to come. It's great to be with David as we kind of grew up together at Preacher's Camp. I know that's where uh, I got my start. And uh, I think about those wonderful years we spent together. And uh, Andrew, a wonderful job leading us in singing tonight. It's also a blessing to be with you as well. If you will, turn with me to 1 Chronicles chapter 4 tonight as we study together. 1 Chronicles chapter 4. As you're turning, let me tell you the story about a lady by the name of Noel, a young mother from Oklahoma. She describes what she called one of the worst days of her life. She said it was just terrible. She said the dishwasher broke. She said, I had a headache. I got a bill that I didn't have the money to pay. And she said almost to the breaking point, she leaned her head back against the high chair where her one-year-old was sitting, and her one-year-old took his pacifier out of his mouth and stuck it in hers. <laughs> That's a rough day. Maybe you've had a day like that. But tonight I want us to consider the story of a man who faced great difficulty, not just for a day when everything seemed to go wrong, but we're going to look tonight at the story of a man that had an entire life full of, of difficulty. And it's tucked away in the fourth chapter of 1 Chronicles. A man that's received a lot of attention in recent years, a man by the name of Jabez. You know, Jabez is considered to be a minor character in the Old Testament. The account of his life is brief. It's only two verses. And yet his insight into all of us and has even inspired books to be written and prayers to be said. So 1 Chronicles 4, 4 to 9, gives us this account of his life. It says, uh, or 4, verse 9, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Jabez cried out to the God of Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. 
And the Bible says that the Lord granted his request. And that's all that we know of, of Jabez. Now, the first part of 1 Chronicles is awfully dry for a whole lot of folks. I mean, it contains tribal lists of names, people that we don't know and names that we can't pronounce, people we've never heard of for the most part. But suddenly God lingers in this great list of names with a couple of verses over one guy. And why is that? J. Oswald Sanders writes, Jabez springs out of obscurity. Yet when God troubles to preserve the epitaph of one man out of millions, you can be certain that it will repay detailed So that's what we'll do. There's a reason that God lingered over this man. A couple of reasons. Notice, first of all, his name. And you observe that his mother named him Jabez. It's interesting that it doesn't say that his father named him because most of the time the father was the one that did the naming. The father is usually the prominent person in the household. But here we read that the mother named this boy. And it says she named him Jabez. There's a lot of meaning in that name. It's a descriptive title. What it means is pain or distress. Now, why in the world would you name a boy a pain? Why would you name a boy distress or difficulty when he's an infant? Well, it says to us that there must have been something about the situation in which he was born that caused her to give him that name. And if you read that as a mother, you may get the idea that she had some difficulty possibly in childbirth. And so she named him anguish and pain. Or maybe she bore him without a husband during very difficult economic times, and this was a great hardship for her in her life. Popular women's author Beth Moore writes this statement. She says, We grew up believing in Cinderella, yet some of us feel our palace turned out to be a duplex, our prince turned out to be a frog, and the wicked stepmother turned out to be our mother-in-law. You know, sometimes life just goes that way. You expect it to be this, but you get this. And so she has a child. We don't know exactly what happened, but she bore him in pain and with great difficulty. But you know, there's a second thing that the Bible tells us in verse 9. It says that he was also, though born in pain, was more distinguished than his brothers. Some versions say than his brethren. Some say favorable. I don't know what it was, but in some way, Jabez springs out of obscurity, but he is more distinguished and notable than the people of his age and maybe his household that live around him. You know, Jabez did not allow his pain to make him unprofitable. And when I read that, I think, you know, he might have used his pain to become weak and lazy. He might have said that I'm, I'm a victim and, and blamed somebody else for all of the problems of his life. He might have used his circumstances to become hateful and bitter, but he didn't do that. The Bible says that Jabez was an overcomer, more honorable than the people of his age. In the words of one writer, the remarkable thing about human beings is that we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act toward us in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one string we have, and that is our attitude. But you know, some people don't handle it with grace. They allow the circumstances of life to make them bitter. 
I was privileged last week to attend my father's retirement dinner. He's worked for the government for farm services for 31 years. And it was just a great occasion. Tuscaloosa, Alabama, he's worked there all of that time. And my dad stood up at the end, you know, they had this nice meal, and folks were going, speech, speech. And he stood up, and he said, he said, I want you guys to know something. He said, I've enjoyed working in this office. He said, it's not always been easy. He said, but I made a decision a long time ago that when I retired, I wanted to go out on a positive note. And he said, I've worked with people that didn't do that. And he said, I want to challenge you to do the same thing that when you young guys retire one day, I want you to go out in the same way. When that was over, Dad and I talked, and he said, David, you just would not believe the people that retire, and they just walk away bitter, bitter at things that have happened. Don't live your life that way. Don't let bitterness destroy your soul. In the words of one writer, bitterness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. But how often is it, is, it, is it the case that we live our lives that way? It's interesting to me that discouragement did not disqualify Jabez from service. And instead, his disadvantage became his strength. Now, what was it about him that made him a man of honor? Well, it was his trust in God. And his prayer has become a model for us down to this day. Notice his prayer. It's just beautiful. It's, it's motivational. It's encouraging and inspiring. He asked God for four very specific things. Notice, number one, he says, Lord, oh, that you would bless me. Some translations say, oh, that you would bless me indeed. And that's really more of the sense of the word. And bless me indeed. Lord, I want one of those indeed kinds of blessings. It's not enough for me just to get through the suffering of the day and through my anguish. Lord, I don't want to just kind of be generally blessed. I want to be blessed indeed in a great, great way. You know, sometimes I think our prayer might be like the old adage, something about being in a little place, content to fill a little space if the Lord be glorified. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm thankful for folks that fill all kinds of spaces. But, you know, you hear that and you, you've got to ask, well, what if God would have been content for you to fill the big space? I mean, if all the Christians are filling the little spaces, who's going to fill the big space and do something wonderful and great? Jabez says we got a whole world full of people that are doing the small things. Lord, I want to do something great. Bless me indeed as I try to do your will. The great old preacher Clovis Chapel, Chapel gives this story. He said, some time ago, I saw a pig in a pen that was so small, I don't think I could have turned around in it. He said, yet the pig seemed as contented and happy as a pig could be. There was a spring nearby that was bubbling over. It had white pebbles. But the thought of it near but beyond his reach did not disturb the pig. The beautiful hills behind him did not make him restless. The lure of the open sky did not torment him. He was quite at home in his pen, and that was enough. But he said, a few days later, I stood by the cage of an eagle. It was a roomy cage with a lovely setting, but the eagle looked out through the bars with lackluster eyes. His great wings were folded in permanent uselessness, and every line of his body revealed dejection, hopelessness, and despair. No creature could ever have seen blessed at home. What was the matter? 
He said he was made for wide open spaces. The distant mountains were calling to him. The sky of blue haunted him. And me, I could not help but pity him. In fact, I would have been glad to fling open his prison doors so that he could fly. And then he writes this. He said, a man is like that caged eagle until God comes into his life and sets him free. Sets him free. You know, I see that with Jabez. Lord, I have a disability. I have this difficulty. I have this anguish. But Lord, I'm praying that you will set me free, that I can be an indeed blessing for you in your kingdom. Oh, that you would bless me. Have you got the courage to pray a prayer like that? Lord, I never really thought that I could do mission work. I never thought that I could get on an airplane and go overseas. I'm, I'm scared to death of that. But, Lord, I want to do that for you. Lord, uproot me. I, I'm available to you. You just tell me what to do, Lord. And I'm going to be willing to step out and trust you. I've been Jabez long enough. Here's the second thing that he prays for. He says, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Now, what was he saying by that? Lord, increase my influence. Have you got the courage to pray that kind of prayer? Lord, give me a greater influence for you than I've ever had before. I read across a story that happened in a southern town just a few years ago. There was going to be this first local bar built in this little southern town, and it created quite an outcry among the Christian folks. And one church called all their people and said, let's pray that God stops this bar in its tracks. And so that's what they did. They all got together and they began to pray and they prayed and they prayed. And two days later, that bar was struck by lightning and it burned to the ground. And all the Christian folks were so happy about that. God has finally answered our prayer until the owner of the bar hired a lawyer and sued the church for having the bar burned down. So the church went, and they hired them a lawyer to deny the whole thing. And the judge listened to the opening statements, listened to everybody talk, and when it was over, kind of with a wry grin, this is what he said. He said, you know, folks, I really don't know how I'm going to rule. He said, but it's interesting to me that the bar owner at this time believes more in the power of prayer than the church folks do. Well, do you believe in prayer? Are you willing to pray boldly and believe that God will answer your request? Jabez says, Lord, bless me indeed. Enlarge my territory. Make me a greater influence. Pray that kind of prayer. Be courageous in that. Lord, I want to do something in my school that I've never done before. I want to make a stand for you, and I need your help. Lord, I want to fill a public office in my community. We all know that this community and every community needs Christians in leadership positions. Lord, help me to do that for your glory. Lord, help me to be a leader in the youth group, in the Lord's church. I want to do those things for you. Give me the courage to speak, to be a Christian businesswoman, to be the kind of leader that you would have me to be. Lord, enlarge my territory. But then thirdly, he prays this. Lord, let your hand be with me. Let your hand be with me. You see, Jabez was very wise. He knew that there is no success in life outside of the will of God. And you know, in the book of Proverbs, 
Solomon says that very thing in a different way. Proverbs 16, 3, commit to the Lord whatever you do and all of your plans will succeed. Proverbs 16, 9, in his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. And Jabez just says, Lord, I I want your hand to be with me. Whatever I do, I want it to be in your will. I don't want it to be about me. I don't want to read my own press. I just want to do your will, and I want to do something great, but only for your glory. And then fourthly, he says, keep me from harm. Some translations say, keep me from temptation. What a a great thought. Lord, keep me from temptation. You know what I think about temptation? I think for most of us, the thing that gets us in trouble is not a multiplicity of temptations that we face, but it's that one thing that plagues us in our life. And for some of you, it's anger. It could be lust. It could be not willing to forgive and holding a grudge. It could be your tongue and the things that you say. But oftentimes we're defeated because of that one thing that just gives us problems over and over and over. And so we get into this cycle of confession, but then we're back into it and we feel guilty and we confess and here we go again. That's not what God's will is for us. Mark Antony was known as a brilliant statesman, a great orator, magnificent in battle. He was courageous and strong. And he was quite handsome. As far as personal qualities are concerned, many believe that he could have ruled the world. But he had a very vulnerable and fatal flaw of moral weakness, so much that on one occasion his personal tutor looked him in the eye and she said, Oh, Marcus, oh, colossal child, able to rule the whole world, but unable to resist a single temptation. You know, that indictment, I'm afraid, applied not only to Mark Antony, but it may apply to many of us at times. If not for that one thing, we could be blessed indeed. You remember the disciples in the garden? And Jesus is praying, and he's sweating as though great drops of blood. And he looked at his disciples and he said, you got to pray. You're about to face something that if you don't get your heart right, you'll not be able to stand. And every time Jesus comes back, they're sleeping. They're sleeping. Jesus says, the spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. And when it came time for that great standoff between the powers of Satan and the powers of God, what happened to the disciples? They fell away because they had not prepared their heart in prayer. I like Jabez because he says this, Lord, deliver me from temptation. I know I'm going to face some things. I don't know what you're going to face this week, but you probably know. If we could just prepare our hearts in prayer before the temptation comes, what a difference it could make in our lives. Jabez prayed, and what did God say? Here's the great part, verse 10. It said, when the prayer was over, the Lord granted his request. Now, there's one other thing here I don't want you to miss. At the end of verse 10, he says, keep me from harm that it may not pain me. Well, what does that mean? Well, let me, let me give it to you in the original. The original reads, Lord, I ask these things of you that it may not jabez me. In other words, he's saying, Lord, I've been jabez long enough. I'm jabez by birth. I'm Jabez by the circumstances of my life, but I have been that long enough, and now, Lord, I want to stop the pattern of pain and anguish that's been characteristic of my life, 
and I want you to make me into something new. And the Bible says the Lord granted his request. Maybe we ought to pray that way. Now, with all of that said, let me give you three quick questions that we ought to ask. Three questions. First one I have for you is this. What is your name? Not your given name. Everybody knows that. But if you were to have a name that represented who you really are, what would that name look like? I've listed a few. What name best represents you? Is it critical? Lazy? Sharp-tongued? Is it difficult to deal with? Is it stubborn? Easily offended? Why not rather a name that God can bless and create for you? Why not rather encourage her? She's, she's a breath of fresh air when she walks into the room. Kind-spoken, delightful, busy in the Lord's kingdom. You see, you can't do it by yourself, but the Lord can change your name and make you into a new creature. And so let me ask you, what is your name? What represents who you are? There's a second question. Where are you? Where are you? I mean, I see where you're sitting physically, but spiritually, where are you tonight? Content to fill a, a little place and a little space if God be glorified? Well, what if God wants you to fill the big space? The Bible says the fields are wide under harvest. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. What if God is calling you to make a difference in evangelism? Are you going to do that? Where are you tonight? You see, I wonder sometimes if God isn't just kind of wearied by our prayers. Guard, guide, and direct us. And that's okay. And we certainly want God to do that. But you know, God hears general prayers all of the time. And I just wonder if sometimes he's sitting up in heaven looking down upon us and he's saying, you know, I just wish that somebody would ask me for something specific like Jabez did. Something real specific so that I could bless them indeed and grant that request in their life. And so where are you? What are you praying about tonight? And then here's the last one. What are you asking of God? What are you asking of God? Is it just something small and general? Or is it something great? Lord, bless me indeed. God wants to use you mightily in his service. I like what an old black preacher said one time. He said, you know, one day you're going to die. And everybody's going to go and they're going to mourn your death. And they're going to go out and they're going to dig a hole in the ground. And they're going to put you in the hole, and they're going to throw dirt in your face, and everybody's going to go back to the church building and eat potato salad. He said, but you know, when that time comes, the only thing that's really going to matter is what you've done for the Lord. What you've done for the Lord. We've got a new year before us. You have a new year. This church has a new year. What difference in God's kingdom are you going to make in the year to come. You know, every time we come together, we offer an invitation. There's just always a chance to say, Lord, I've not been in your will. I've not been living right. I've not been doing the things that you want me to do. Now is the time to come and say, God, I want to get with you. I want to be blessed in your will. If you have any need, you need to respond. We invite you to come as we stand and sing together.